is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News good, Talk 1010. Good, good, good evening. My name's Vinnie White. You can get in touch with this radio show on um, 416-872-1010. Or you can text the show at any time on 71010. We're live, direct. Good evening. Uh, my name is Vinnie. Pat's pushing buttons. He's the producer. How are you? Uh, we look at stuff and things in the world of news. Later on, Amanda Capido will come in. She's our resident news junkie and discuss everything other than the main discussion of the night, which is probably reasonably unsurprising. You see, I was actually away last week, you may have noticed. I went to this little country, probably never heard of it, not been in the press, called Ingerland, part of the uh, United Kingdom, part of the UK or as it's now called, the K. Um, quiet news week, wasn't it? Uh, not a lot happened. Had a cup of coffee in London, that was nice. That's got better over the years. What else happened? Uh, oh, political Armageddon. That's it. Interesting month, June, so far, isn't it? If you'd have told me a year ago, if you'd have got me June 2015 and cornered me, and said, uh, by June 2016, it's possible that Donald Trump could possibly be the president, and he's a Republican candidate. And then you told me the UK will leave the EU, and then you told me that also in June there was going to be the biggest gun massacre in US modern history. I'd probably have said, well, the gun massacre sounds highly probable, but the other stuff didn't, you know? You see, there's predictable, preventable things and unpredictable, preventable things. I know I'll feel terrible after a McDonald's salad and it's probably more fattening than sucking all the blubber out of a blue whale. So I don't do it, yeah? Interesting month. If you tried to tell me that Donald Trump could possibly be president by June 2016, I'd pro- I wonder what I've done. I'd probably have... Um... I probably spent quite a great deal of time ranting about the stupidity of many Americans for letting a xenophobic, fear-mongering TV celebrity and professional model-marrying Muslim hater get so far. I'd have to have said that the US, despite often being more stupid than, I don't know, Mr Tickles buying a selfie stick, doesn't deserve Donald Trump as a candidate, a man with a, uh, a child's drawing as a hairdo. But I would at a push have believed it if you'd have really convinced me. But to tell me that the UK was going to leave the EU this month, if you'd have told me that, even a few weeks ago, I'd have said uh, no. I'd probably have heavily implied in a witty yet slightly arrogant way that, uh, you know, what the British people do, really, that uh, the concept of knee-jerk reactions to an influx of immigrants and that of uh, the of the British people is, is although immigration's an issue, I'd say that it's probably, you know, no-one's going to do anything stupid. Madness and knee-jerk reactions are usually the sort of reactions of, of far-right parties like UKIP. And then I'd have said that the UK is a proud member of a far-from-perfect European Union. I'd have said that a few old people and blue-collar workers may have absorbed the Rupert Murdoch propaganda, like... Kitty litter absorbing cat pee, but the majority of people are groovy Europhiles that enjoy hanging around on mopeds and drinking lattes. And there's a growing love of cheese and chorizo. Admittedly, I'd have to accept that English people probably 
uh, are far more prone to shouting at their neighbours than learning their language. And, you know, that some Brits are pretty anti-EU. But generally speaking, I would have thought, I reckon we're going to stay. I predicted the EU referendum was going to be a bit like the Cold War in a way. Slightly worrying, sometimes very worrying. Lots of people getting into a panic, but generally nothing would happen and then we'd all, you know, keep calm and carry on. Everyone would crack on and very occasionally wonder if everything was going to be okay, but in private, maybe with a nice hot cup of tea. So I thought the UK-EU referendum would be a bit like sort of, I don't know, a bit like bad sex. No real climax and a, a mild feeling of embarrassment about what just happened and maybe just a little bit of moaning. I was very wrong. I thought we'd carry on being a part of Europe and Rupert Murdoch's toilet paper publications would continue to tell Britain that immigrants are evil, unless, of course, they're photographed dead on a beach, and that everything, including oxygen, and every possible element in the periodic table is definitely going to give you cancer, and some people would believe it, but generally speaking, it would be all right. It turned out that it was a bit more of a civil war, really, than anything else. Only the ammunition in this referendum from both sides wasn't bullets. It was bullshit. A lot of it. Both sides of the campaign, stay in the EU and leave the EU, threw around impossible-to-prove figures, like a wet clay pot on an unattended potter's wheel spewing out hot and rather uncomfortable dollops, for want of a better way of putting it. The campaign was a shambolic and childish mass of lie-infested hysteria. Being in London this week was really weird. It's not the London I remember. It was like playing Chinese whispers in a self-help group for pathological liars. Every politician coming up with absolutely arbitrary, unprovable figures. I heard from one campaign the average house price will fall by £3,655 if we leave even though no-one has ever left the EU except Greenland, and uh, predicting financial markets is almost impossible on a normal day in a globalised world. So how they managed to get it down to the nearest £5 proves that that was a figure presumably made up by someone smashing their head repeatedly against the calculator until it looked good. I also heard that 940,000 Turks are about to move to the UK if we stay... Really? 940,000? They just pop that figure out. So obviously we'll have to leave, otherwise there'll be a Turkish invasion, even though there is actually no clear sign that they will join the EU and the current existing UK government could have legally restricted numbers regardless of EU membership anyway. So, yeah. And then, of course, I heard, we need change. The polls have taken all the British jobs. Now, there is an element of truth in some of that. Like, when you go and hang around anything from a coffee shop to a a factory in... I haven't been to Scotland or Wales recently, so I can can only say England in my own previous experience of going back there quite a lot recently. You do see a lot of polls, but what you have to remember is that for every Polish strawberry picker, there's usually a fat, lazy, stone British bastard on his arse playing with a PlayStation. Probably a game that ironically involves shooting foreign people. So, yeah, there are a lot, but also let's not forget they do pay tax. 
Because you also hear the immigrant population is weighing down the health service. That's odd, because they overwhelmingly work, and they pay UK taxes that should go back into that service. If the government wasn't selling it off, things might be easier. If the gap between rich and poor in the UK wasn't larger than a gargantuan canyon, a canyon made by bankers and bailouts, if David Cameron wasn't hopelessly out of touch with normal people and their everyday struggles... When he puts on a high-vis vest, which he does a lot, because he's a common man, he looks like he might cry. He's the sort of guy that would ask a window cleaner where he got his degree, you know? What on earth is a sponge? But the Remain camp got it really wrong, because a more honest approach from the Remain campaign would have been to say, we don't know what's going to happen. If you vote leave, but it's probably not going to be good. They shouldn't have done arbitrary figures about house prices. They should have said, we don't know. But the feeling is, it's generally not going to be good. They could have had a simple advertising campaign on the side of buses, a picture of a fire-breathing dragon with a question mark. (laughs) Maybe a picture of a French warship off the coast of Dover and a massive question mark. And just someone going, don't know. (laughs) Could be. Because they didn't know. We still don't know. Instead, they chose to bamboozle us with finite numbers like the leave claim, the leave claim that the UK would give uh, £350 million a week. That's about $700 million Canadian to the EU. And uh, that's currently what they give. And they said, well, if we don't do that, then we'll spend it on hospitals. That's, both of those things have been thoroughly debunked, the original figure and the fact that now it's going to be spent on hospitals. But it was still emblazoned on the side of their battle bus up until the end. Politicians banging on about Brexit all day. It was unbelievable there last week. It was a really weird week to be there. It felt like when you slept, there was a politician next to you with a load of numbers being pumped into your arm on a drip. You woke up with all kinds of statistics in your system and had no idea how they got there. Even if you concentrated on the numbers, you felt immediately dyslexic and being capable to process them because they were mostly bullshit. And so it was that in a hotel in London the other day, I woke up and I was a bit hungover. I was in London. And uh, my friend, who was also in the hotel room with me, said, Vinny, we're out. And I genuinely, I'm not making this up, I thought that we had to check out. But he was talking about the news he'd just checked. And so it was. The UK pound dropped. Uh, the markets died. The UK will probably lose Scotland. The Prime Minister resigned. Half the shadow cabinet quit, quit this morning. So who did it? Who voted that way? And if you haven't noticed by now, not the way I voted. Who voted to leave? Well, I'll tell you who. Old people! Oxygen thieves! Hmm? My mum was 80 last week. I'm not just making this about old people being oxygen thieves. Some of them are all right. That was the reason I went, by the way. Went to see her. Surprise of her 80th birthday. I was more surprised than her by the end of the week. Anyway, old people made this vote happen. Here's one of them uh, putting his point across beautifully on why he voted to leave the EU. It's all about immigration. right? It's not about trade or Europe or anything like that. It's all about immigration. It's to stop the Muslims from coming into this country. Simple as that. So you think you voted to leave the EU to stop Muslims coming to the country? To stop immigration. Right. But the uh, movement of people in Europe, fair enough. But not from Africa, Syria, Iraq, everywhere else. It's all wrong. 
his reason for leaving? Immigration. Right, it's not about trade or Europe or anything like that. It's all about immigration. The uh, movement of people in Europe, fair enough, but not from Africa, Syria, Iraq, everywhere else. <laughs> it's all wrong. So the movement of people in Europe, fair enough, even though I've just voted to leave, thereby restricting the movement of people in Europe. Genius. So where are we? Uh, if you're interested, then, uh, I mean, for you guys, if you're strictly uh, Canadian... You're probably right. Don't worry about it. It's a good time to be around here, I'd say. I came back pretty quickly. Um, but for British people, maybe not the same. We've got two years. British people may not be able to work in some European countries. So thanks for that, old people. Thanks. Do check the brakes on your car, old people. You know, that car. The car you paid off years ago. Yeah. Uh, now, also within two years, the uh, people living in the EU may have to move home to the UK, possibly. Depends where and what sort of paperwork is drawn up. So uh, thanks for that, old people. Thanks. Uh, be careful not to slip on the ice and and break a hip when you're putting salt down on the stairs of your massive unmortgaged house, won't you? Uh, also within two years, the UK won't remain a world leader in research and development. The EU gave £7 billion in science funding alone between uh, 2007 to uh, 2013. So nice to get that turned off. Thanks for that, old people. Thanks a lot. Keep an eye on that lawnmower blade as you look after that giant lawn. Yeah, the one you own outright. You know, your eyes aren't quite as good as they used to be. Don't hurt yourself, is what I'm saying. And also within two years, immigration into the UK, which uh, scared the old people so much, even though they don't quite understand the concepts of Europe, apparently, according to that last bloke. But uh, it might not come down anyway, this thing, this whole reason was immigration for a lot of old people that didn't like going to their local village and hearing people speak with Polish accents. Well, all of a new sudden, it might not change. No one in the Leave campaign actually gave any target figures at any time, ever. Conservative MEP Dan Hanan had already said uh, a couple of days ago that people expecting immigration to come down will be disappointed. So thanks for that, old people. Thanks a lot. Be sure not to fall off the roof as you empty the gutters on your massive house. And now, within two years, we'll have a new Prime Minister in the UK, an unelected leader who could theoretically hold office unopposed until a general election has been called, and that could be up to three years' time. And he might have hair almost as ridiculous as Trump. If Trump and Boris get in, what the hell's going to happen there? There'll be like a transatlantic, xenophobic set of blonde mop tops. New age blonde Vikings of the corporate world. Great. Thanks, old people. Thanks a lot. Be sure to vote in the next referendum before you slip off. You know, the referendum that asked the population of the UK to change the laws and whether it's OK to eat your pets to survive. <sighs> and you know where those old people lived that ruined everything? Often run down industrial towns that benefited from EU money to fix them up. It's like you're in the pub and some rich dude comes in and offers everyone around. The beers are on me, he says, and you're pretty sure you gave him some of that money he's splashing around, but you're sure as hell not going to take a drink from him. No! You're going to kick him out of the pub and bar him because he suspiciously sounds like he embraces globalisation and he's got a funny accent. We made a massive mistake, a colossal democratic cock-up. Even some of the Leave voters regretted it. More and more by the day. 
There's a whole new word for that. There's the Brexit, and now if you regret the exit to the Brexit, then that's sort of a regrexit, I think. Well, that might be a dinosaur. Either way, there's people that regret it. People like this. If there was one thing you could do now, what would it be and why? I would go back to the polling station and vote to stay, um, simply because this morning the reality is actually hitting in and the regrets are filling in of actually that we have actually left EU. Um, very disappointed. Um, the whole family this morning, even though the majority of us voted to leave, we are actually regretting it today. Did you think you might get a chance to vote again? Yeah, actually, I said to my sisters before they flew out, I, hope, you know, I wish we had the opportunity to vote again, um, simply because I would do so many things differently for the vote. How do your sisters feel? They were disappointed as they were boarding. <laughs> so they do the same? Yeah, like they you? do the same, yeah. It was me, my two sisters and my parents. And all of you would now vote differently, having seen what's happened this morning? Yeah. We would, yeah, we would. We would vote differently because obviously all the facts are coming in now. And the facts we're, more, were there before! Our eyes actually woken. If, if in other sense, it's actually been open of actually seeing what's happening. What has been the one thing this morning that has shocked you more than anything else? Um, David Cameron leaving while, while resigning. That was the biggest shock. We didn't really expect that to happen. Um, that's not what we wanted, no. Even though, like, we were saying, you know, we could do this better. If I was a, if I was David Cameron, I would do this, this, this. But when you're actually in the shoes and you're making the decision, it's full of kind of regret. So that's the woman uh, speaking the day after the, it came out that the, vote, the leave vote was going through. And, of course, as you heard, David, David Cameron resigned, saying that her and her entire family that voted leave already regret it. And she's one of, uh, well, there's 3.5 million people now signed to get another referendum through. Unbelievable. And then, like, people... And I'm not having this crap that people say, oh, we voted with our hearts. That makes about as much sense as voting with your toe or your bum. As I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of propaganda and lies, but... Don't say, oh, we didn't realise what was going to happen till it happened. It was available if you researched it. If you spent a bit of time doing a tiny bit of research, you might have actually seen the consequences of your actions. My favourite text so far is uh, came in on 71010. Hey, Vinny, is it just me or do older Brits pine for the good old days? I know my mum does for sure, they say. Yes! World's changed, man! <laughs> <laughs> Should have brought some wine in. Vinnie White on News Talk 1010 every single Sunday from 9 through till 10. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Great to be here. Uh, I haven't got a lot of time in this show because I'm too busy ranting, so I'll just slide this one in. Do you need a canvas? What does that mean? Do you like pictures of you looking gorgeous on canvas? Maybe of the cottage. Maybe of your children. Maybe of something else. I don't know. But you could put them on canvas and then you can come and pick them up and pay very little amount of money for them and they'll look lovely on your walls. Mmm, where do you go? MrPhotoCanvas.com MrPhotoCanvas.com Good. Obviously, it's got nothing to do with me. Um, so, where were we? Brexit's depressing, isn't it? I find it incredibly depressing. I'm really shocked and saddened. And uh, in the midst of it all, of course, Donald Trump flew in. And I speak for all British people when I tell you he is as welcome in Britain as diphtheria. Um, incredible timing there. 
more of him in a minute. But uh, I suppose really my conclusion to all of this is that I'm obviously... There'll be people listening to this that don't agree with what I've said, that we should be part of Europe. And I've always considered myself as as much of a European as I have as a Brit. And in more recent years, slightly Canadian, apparently, although you wouldn't know. Um, but I, d- I really don't like to lose that association. And I was I was in England this morning. I flew in um, this afternoon and I got stuck in, in an elevator in Toronto Airport in Pearson with two guys and I got chatting to them, Australian dudes, and they said, um, congratulations, Britain did the right thing. And they just offered it straight away. And I said, well, I don't agree with that, actually, even though there's two of you and I'm stuck in an elevator with you. But please don't hurt me. And they said, um, well, we look after ourselves and we're all right. That was actually what they said. We look after ourselves. We're all right. And I said, yeah, but you don't have a, I don't know, massive tunnel underneath the ocean to your nearest neighbour, Papua New Guinea, do you? You don't have trading partners in Papua New Guinea and trading relationships with Papua New Guinea and Fiji and your other very distant neighbours. You know, you don't have millions of Australians living in those countries, do you? And your history on immigration numbers isn't exactly generous in Australia, is it? You do know that the rest of the world quite often calls you casual racists. And they said, uh, well, I'll put it slightly more politely than that. And they said, yeah, we need to sort it out, actually. If there's one thing we're getting wrong, it's immigration. We need to keep them all out. Right. And you're the model I should be going for. Excellent. Thanks a lot. So, uh, and one of the weirdest things is, you know, this petition that's up to 3.5 million people so far to have a second referendum, a re-referendum, a re-referendum Brexit. God, it's going to be difficult for the... uh... Americans, isn't it? I can't pronounce words at the best of times. A re-referendum Brexit um, due to this slim margin. That was originally set up by a Leave supporter in May anticipating a slim majority for Remain. And now he's trying to distance himself from that. Anyway, we have to live with the consequences of our actions or their actions. Thanks, old people. It's a good day to be Canadian. I, for one, will be speeding up my application for citizenship here. And thanks to my dad being Irish, I'll also be getting an Irish passport. Although I did read today that they've run out of all paper forms for Irish passport applications in the whole of the UK. So it ain't just me thinking this way. When Trump arrived, of course, he put his foot in it. What else would you expect? He said, just arrived in Scotland. Place is going wild over the vote. They took their country back, just like we will take America back. No games. Uh, They literally had the highest percentage of Remain, the Scots. At 62%. So of all the regions he could pick, it was the one region that absolutely, definitely voted majority in. Scotland voted in, you moron, said Lily. Uh, And actually, here's some of the lovely offensive remarks that Donald Trump got back on his Twitter feed, set to bagpipes. So when he said, just arrived in Scotland, places going wild over the vote, they took their country back just like we will take America back. No games. Claire Woodward in Scotland said, Scotland voted to remain, you tit. Um, Finn Den, who was also in Scotland, said, uh, Scotland voted overwhelmingly to, overwhelmingly to stay in Europe. You two-paid douche trumpet. One of my favourites. Uh, Nina B, also in Scotland, said, Scotland hates both Brexit and you. You mangled apricot hell beast. Beautiful. Britain. You made a massive mistake. This is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. In our friendship and working life, there's never a rift. 
And to keep her that way, I bought her a chocolate gift. Do you want to borrow chocolate from England? <laughs> yes, I do. It's a Yorkie. Mmm. You ever had one? I don't think so. There you go. Free. Okay, thank you. I, I, this is a great gift. I love original gifts like this where things you can't get here. I picked it up at Gatwick Airport this morning. Wow. And uh, I, I've gone on enough at this show already about Brexit and all London things, so we'll move on to other topics, but let's just say a tumultuous but interesting week. <laughs> um, did I miss anything here? Um, well, I wanted to talk to you about, about Iceland. Talk to me. I know we talked about it last time, but... First off, today, they elected a new president. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I've just realised I haven't told people who you are. Our resident news junkie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Sorry. Terrible setup that I (laughs) monstrably ruined. We're hoping regulars to the show will will have have known. If you know her, you know her. But if not, then she usually comes in and talks about some of the goings on in the wider world. Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, Iceland um, elected a new president today, and the first lady of Iceland is actually an Ontario woman now. Is an Ontario woman now? What do you mean? Like, she's the first lady of Iceland now, is an Ontario woman. Is that worded better? Not really, no. <laughs> what do you mean? It's just now she just became the first lady as of today. He was just elected, and his wife is from it was grew up in Ottawa Valley. Oh, I see. <laughs> The first Did lady. anyone else really miss that? Did that go over everyone's head? Just, Text seven ten ten. If it was really that confusing, but the I first, the first lady's Ontarian. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how did they meet? Do you know? Um. Yes, they were studying together in England, actually. Oh. Uh. And he's a hist- He's actually not even a politician. He's a history professor. Well, there's only six people in Iceland, so <laughs> everyone has to pull their weight. He's also a janitor and on... Well, they're known for having politicians that were not from politics. They had a comedian that was their president. Yeah, the mayor of Reykjavik was... Yeah. Um, I think it was a mayor. Was it the mayor or was the president? Now I'm getting confused. I'm, Maybe it was the mayor. I'm highly confident it was the mayor. But being that two thirds of Iceland live in Reykjavik right. is almost the president anyway. Pretty much. Yeah. But anyway, so he... Um, this one right now... Um, He's uh, he like oh sorry I want to talk about population because you said there's six people. Mm. It's like three hundred and twenty thousand people. Not and a lot. Not a lot. To put that in perspective, like Hamilton has five hundred and twenty thousand. Whoa! So it's like sign like almost half the size of Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> just more. So like that's shocking. And then tying in with how well they've been doing in the Euro Cup. I know you're not the biggest sports fan. Yeah, but I, I, even I've noticed that they're doing well, and they right. play England tomorrow. Yes. So I'm pretty sure when I go to the pub tomorrow afternoon, uh, there'll be more England fans than Iceland fans. <laughs> or there's going to be Iceland fans because like, I'm cheering for them now just because they're such an underdog doing so well. They tied Portugal. Hang on a minute. Tomorrow, during yes. the England game, you're yes. going to be cheering on Iceland. Iceland, yeah. Give me that bloody chocolate bar back. <laughs> no. I think that's, it wouldn't be amazing if they made it to like, this is the round of 16, but imagine they made it to the quarterfinals, that's to the semifinals. Bri- that's, that's insult to injury. That's actually British chocolate. I hope you <laughs> choke on that. Wow. <laughs> this has gotten dark. Yeah. I'm just saying it would be a really cool Cinderella story, and I love those kind of stories. So. Yeah. I want them to do well, um, other than against England, obviously. But if they lose tomorrow, then they're out. So. Oh, are they? Yeah. This is, this is now like do or die time. Love that you're telling me about this sport. <laughs> think I should know. Well, they've done well to get this far, haven't they? That's why. They have like, two ties and a win. Yeah. It's amazing. And they're um, very good-looking people. The fo- have you seen the football team? I presume they're fairly beautiful, Viking-like. Yeah, like, they're they're great. I just think 
they're a fine, they're guys. I don't know. Well, that's great start. It's that, all soccer players. Like what, what just happened there was she <laughs> said in the nicest possible Canadian way, uh, "Yeah, Vinny, they're probably good looking, but I'm not as shallow as you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, like object- objecting men, and I don't like yeah, women to be objectified by anyone. I'm just generally yeah. I'm interested more in the sport than the underdog. <laughs> Why not get on board and stop <laughs> thinking about sex, you filthy animal? <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I wish them the best, and by that, of course, I hope they lose. Oh. Um, only because it's England. Okay. Uh, right then, can I do a quick story from this week? That I've, I've wanted to throw by you because I find it quite weird. Okay. Okay. So you always hear about new apps coming out. There's an app for everything. There's an app for that. There's an app for that. Uh, this one's a bit of an odd one though. A woman at MIT in Boston mm-hmm. right, has come up with a new app. Joanne McGill came up with the idea of a new app called Emotional Labor. Right. It's a plug-in for Gmail that scans your messages and inserts over-familiar, light-hearted touches to make them seem more friendly. So full stops that you write are replaced with multiple exclamation marks. No. Lols are dropped into sentences and formal sign-offs. So if you if you write yours sincerely, it will automatically delete and be replaced with a row of kisses. No. This is brutal. Do we need this? No. I already want to be run over by a truck. It's over the top. It's completely over the top, explains McNeil. That's her. So at least she re- appreciates it. I could have easily just swapped out periods for exclamation marks, but it swaps out one period with multiple exclamation marks. <laughs> I also use hearts and stars. I make it really overwhelmingly crazy friendly. Well, I don't. The app does. So the idea came apparently from imagining this dystopian future where email could be written for you by some automated software. So, for example, if you said, Vinny, I'm coming on the show tonight via email, it could scan that and I could it would pop up and say, do you want me to automatically respond? And, and I'd say, yes, because I trust it. Maybe it understands our friendship. Right. And it would write back and go, hey, mans, I'm back. <laughs> Here you're rooting for Iceland. Love you, star, star, star. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Yes, see you tonight on the show, that type of thing. Yeah, but see, if I know you're using an app, then it just defeats the whole purpose. Well, this is actually, I think that's a really good point because then she went on to take it even further and she's trying to uh, work with a plugin for Skype that looks at your conversation and tells you what you're doing wrong during it. So, for example, if you don't smile enough, it will say you haven't, it was just come up on the screen, you haven't smiled at Amanda in two minutes during this. Mm. And then it will do other things, like if I'm talking a lot at you on Skype, it will give you a little notice saying you've talked a lot, and then it will fade you out. It will just mute what? you. What? Yeah. No, no. The only place I could see this working is if, like, let's say a two people are having problems communicating, they both acknowledge it, and then they both collectively say, let's try this app and maybe we can communicate better. You know, you do it as a team effort to try to help your, you know, That could be good for families. For I mean, families it, or like friends that are Everyone's got one family member that they hate. But like you wouldn't do it without, you'd have to tell the other person you're doing it. It's going to be distracting. You're going to be reading it. If you get faded out, like... What if you were, yeah, what if you were being negative for 90% of the time, but you were crying and telling them about a divorce? Nailed like, it. Exactly. This is the problem. You have to be human. Because so, one of the things it does, it flashes up on the side of the screen as I say, you haven't smiled. Well, well what happens if I'm talking about a divorce I'm yeah, going through? Yeah. And it says you haven't smiled and you're talking too much. I'm going to fade you out. Like, get Brilliant. out of here. Cheers. <laughs> no. This is and what happens if you're <laughs> saying on the phone to me, I'm really upset. I've been dumped by this dude. Things aren't going my way. And... I follow the advice to smile, you'll be like, mate. Yeah, yeah. What sort of support is this? No, no. This is, I agree. This is 
She says she struggles with people. She said she started looking into how technology itself might start offering guidance with her problems. And rather a startling app that monitors your video chat is called Us Plus, which you can turn off. Cheers. (laughs) You're going to need that. Um, Yeah, she says that she hopes that it will make her social problems better. She suffers from social anxiety. And she says, "The, the experience of anxiety, of not knowing the words, the right words... Maybe we should use algorithms. Why don't we outsource all these social problems to computers? Right, even though it's a rhetorical question from her, here's the answer. Because you're never going to get better, are you? Yeah. If you're relying on apps that you've designed to... Get you through life. Yeah, and tell you when to smile and replace goodbye with kisses, then you, you're never... You're not capable of learning what's right and wrong. Well, it's not even a matter of right and wrong, but how to function in day-to-day life when you're you're talking to people face-to-face. And then if you become dependent on an app, like I just, maybe maybe just to overcome the initial struggle of, I I know there are some people with social anxiety and other um in other uh you know situations where they can't they can't deal with grief properly mm. they never know what to say they say things that are wrong and so maybe just as the initial so you can kind of get the feel for what is more socially appropriate yeah people do say stupid things i remember a very good friend of mine had cancer and he um he was on the phone to a guy that he hadn't been on the phone to for a while a work colleague and he said sorry steve i'm, I'm not going to be coming i've got cancer and steve said oh that's awful my dog died of that two years ago. Yeah, see, like... And there are times like that you think, oh, maybe an app for that would be good. Yeah. But, but then but, but, but then you're a moron, aren't right. you? Right. Well, and you need to learn to not be a moron. And you know what? Maybe in, in hindsight he would have known that, but he just like it just came out, right? Because yeah. it's just such overwhelming bad news and you don't know how to react. It's yeah. hard. I get it. Yeah. But I just don't think this is the answer. I don't think it is either. I mean, props for her for trying. Great that she has this little initiative. And if it's helping her, then great. But I don't, I'm not going to re- go recommending this to anyone. dangerous as well, isn't it? Imagine if I couldn't make the show and I emailed Mike Ben Dixon <laughs> and it automatically put the end, love you, unicorn, <laughs> unicorn, smiley face. It'd be like, yeah. Maybe he would love that. Actually, though. Mike's you pretty good at things it. like In fact, what I'm actually saying is that I always do that, but now I'm going to blame it on the app because I actually love Mike and I always send him unicorns. All right? (laughs) So we think this is ridiculous and uh, we're not ready to be overtaken by the robots just yet. Not just yet. Not just yet. Okay, dear. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to discuss other than Brexit things? Oh, and today is the 40th anniversary of the CN Tower. Oh, is it? Yes. Now, I, I hate to be so misanthropic about the world and negative, but I, I only learned a year ago, I was having a conversation about the sad degeneration of the Toronto skyline and how that, and this makes me sound all pro-London, but at least London's got weird shapes. The Shard, the Walkie Talkie, the Gherkin, all these weird shapes, glass buildings, and here they're quite box-like. And... Uh, I was I for once thought I'd play devil's advocate and I said at the end of the day though you got the CN Tower and that was a massive bold move yep and he said well not really it had to be done it was a radio tower and they built it in the 60s to uh, to get uh, radio waves across Lake Ontario it was more for form sorry more for function rather than for form but like okay people everyone who and I hate people who complain about the Toronto skyline listen it's a city we're growing it's booming it's the skyline it's is a bit boring though isn't it? but what define boring uh, glass boxes that all look the same shape no um, but messing th- up a lake shore and not making it a bit greener I 
I disagree. I think that it's a city. We have some green spaces, maybe not enough. We have a great, huge green space in Scarborough, and I know that's outskirts, but like downtown, there are buildings that serve functions. That's what buildings are for, and maybe the architecture wasn't the most beautiful, best. What is this? This North American capitalist. I love Toronto. Some buildings should be beautiful. They should dazzle you with their specter. On on your taxpayer dollar? Yes! Well, (laughs) Definitely. I want to live in a beautiful city. I don't mind paying for a couple of fountains here and there. I think people would disagree. And by the way, a lot of these buildings aren't not paid for on taxpayers' dollars. They're just approved by city council, but they're private corporations and banks. Make them more interesting. <laughs> one day you one day you'll wake up and realize that you've bollocks this whole town up. Oh, OCAD has a huge building that looks like a giant pencil case with Great. pencil crayons on it. And that out. was from the taxpayers' dollar. Is anyone upset about that? Well, well, I mean, there might be some taxpayers upset about sure that but that's I'm a sure stupid question there's Come probably on. hundreds but. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that we, we're not I mean we're not being we have creative things in this city let's we see have, more of it we have street art more okay so why don't you pay for it well this has turned around quite badly <laughs> no but build something go I'll build something mate okay help the skyline if it needs so much help I'm not a multinational <laughs> corporation with a team of architects ready to go at any win <laughs> Oh, so you want other people to do it. Yes, I do. Right. (laughs) Let's make clear what I want. I want progression in a city. I don't think that it's right to build into suburbs relentlessly. It's not not sustainable and it's not a very uh, clever form of living. So well done for living downtown. And I totally understand building loads of condos. Don't look particularly gorgeous. And that's what I'd like to address. Liberty Village is an absolute scar on the face of the lakeshore. (laughs) It is a brand new development full of boring boxes that could have been so much more beautiful if thought and elegance had gone into them. When you're born in and grow up in a city that doesn't have the fortune of having a massive amount of history, and no, I'm not being a pompous arse from England, it's just that there's a lot of that about, then you should make an extra concerted effort to make sure that future generations live in a beautiful city, and I don't think Toronto's doing that. Well, so what you're saying is that just like you like pretty things. Yes. And you want more of them. Yes. Okay. It's like you, Amanda. If you were a building... Um, <laughs> Where's this going? Then this would be the best city ever. And I <laughs> like looking at you. Oh, and so what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm trying to do is just work in flattery into this to bring around. So that I can just stop being so argumentative. I've, I've noticed that she's quite intelligent. And I, don't, I don't know what to do now. Anyway, <laughs> Just say, yay, the CN Tower's 40 years old. <laughs> okay, that's all I wanted from you. <laughs> <laughs> yay, the CN Tower, which, by the way, does look quite different so pat on the back <laughs> is indeed 40 years old whoop de doo well done Yay. <laughs> always a pleasure never a chill we managed to not kill each other again I'll see you next week see you next week ta-da you're tuned in to the Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010 Oh, thanks so much for your text tonight that came in on 71010. Sorry, I didn't get time to read them all out. I was ranting quite heavily. Someone said they enjoyed the show. Thank you. Uh, someone says lots of uh, US actors, celebrities and citizens will head here to Canada if Trump wins and the UK citizens will also head here due to a Brexit vote leave. What will Canada be like in the future? Really progressive, they've said, answering their own question. Uh, what will you do when uh, Quebec splits from Canada, someone else said. <laughs> How did you manage to wedge that topic in? Um, I think we're right for the minute, but I'll probably be upset about my lack of poutine. Uh, and someone else said, you progressives have messed up Western society. 
Uh, so nice to be specific. Uh, I'll be back next Sunday and I'll be doing 9 through till 10. I'll also be doing the roundtable if you're interested at listening in at 8.45 every Tuesday morning. I'm on the panel with John Moore. It's been, I reckon, not a too shabby show. Thanks to Pat for pressing the buttons and thanks to you at home for listening. David Eddy is up next. Download the podcast at vinniewhite.co.uk. See ya. <laughs>